Hey, welcome to the Common Good Podcast, Tuesday, November 22nd. After elections, before Thanksgiving, just the, the purgatory moment of the political life around here. Are those calling for the common good? Like nothing more common good than, you know, Thanksgiving. Just people's favorite, really. Uh, do, do you know anybody who doesn't like Thanksgiving, Rob, Dan? Do you know anybody who's like, yeah, I can't just, you know, when the Thanksgiving music starts playing, it just really, really drives me. Just crazy. Chandler Bing. Just Chandler Bing, the only one. Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday of them all. I, uh, I just love it. It's the uh, it's the best meal of the year. And are you uh, hi, w- w- what's your approach on Thanksgiving? Do you go and, and can I just comment here, by the mm-hmm. way, about mm-hmm. our uh, about our setup on the on the screen right now? It looks like yeah. Doug, you won the gold medal. Dan, you you <laughs> won the silver. I won the bronze. Um, yeah, <laughs> little pedestals. You guys will sit up here. I'll lower my chair. There, I'll come down to your level. Proper posture. Sorry, I'm I like, sit down wow. that low. My knees get above my hips, and all of a sudden, I feel like I'm like colon uh, kicks in. So, what's your uh, what's your what's your take on uh, on Thanksgiving? Are you uh, go back for multiple like the Thanksgiving meal? Are you going back for seconds? You going back for thirds? I'm not talking about leftovers, which are the greatest, but I'm talking about like your actual mm. filling up your plate. Are because here's my thing. Okay. I fill up my plate. I fill up my plate once. That's oh, oh yeah. There is no need for seconds. Because I am putting on my plate everything I want that I'm going to eat. It is jam-packed is full. Mayhem. If you're if you're one of those people that can't stand your food touching, don't look at my Thanksgiving plate. <laughs> it is a it is mountain high. I'm like going through one time and I'm bringing it home. It's like a club sandwich of turkey foods, uh, right? It's just yeah, stacked, absolutely yep. layered. See, I do that. Yep. The mountain food. of food, but then I do it three more times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, but here's my strategy. I also like I I don't get everything there is the first time around. I'm planning things ooh. out, you know. You, oh, oh, you you do get you, are you the best of? You, then you dabble in some of the lesser dishes. Oh, then you so go you're back. A, you're a eat what you love first kind of person. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're not like a save your favorite for last. No, I'm not a sadist. Like I don't need to suffer any longer. Let's <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, not punish day. Uh, now, are you talking about like Rob? Do you eat yours at a place where like it's buffet style and you can just walk nope. up? Are you are you not at a table oh, no. where it's being passed oh, around? No, 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 I'm at a table where it's being passed around, and I am loading it all up big the first time. <laughs> you're stalling that. I, you're st- people next to you have got to be going crazy. Like, hey, Rob, Rob, move the potatoes. I move yeah. the you know yeah. the the cranberries. Oh, I'm the one and who wants every. I'm the one who wants everything passed because I want I want to get a little totally. I want I want a little a bit of everything as a we get started. But I'm not going to be asking like, "Hey, can you pass the potatoes over here?" Like, yeah, no. I see. Nah. You're just head down and just dive just right in. like I'm in a trough. Yep. Yeah. I am not a big fan of Thanksgiving food. I don't huh. care for it. Yeah. You got a problem with big turkey? <laughs> don't care I, for turkey. I think it's I think it's great sandwich meat. At, he like is anti-cranberry because of the water <laughs> usage. <laughs> yeah, cranberry is really. Oh, I gotta uh, I gotta tell you guys about crusher. a uh, I gotta tell you about a billboard that uh, is in my neighborhood. So I live I live close to uh, Tyson World Headquarters. Tyson Chicken yeah. Poultry, one of the largest food companies in the world, um, largest poultry company in the world. I just. Literally a half mile away is Don Tyson Parkway, uh, which will take you right to Tyson headquarters here in Springdale, Arkansas. There is a billboard that went up not far from Tyson headquarters um, from the folks at PETA, and uh, it's Mm. effective. It is, you know, the you know the turkey hands that you would make when you were a kid. Yeah, you'd, you'd trace your hand on the paper and color it in, and you would have a you know, turkey hand that you'd bring home from school. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 we got you. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> this is a foreign concept. Can, can so you give us it, a step-by-step? It is a, uh, <laughs> yeah, you trace, yeah, Hang on a second, I'm going to get my pen out. out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so this billboard is a turkey hand upside down. Um, no, no. So it's like, it's a hand, like, like a turkey. And okay. the thumb is cut off <laughs> and bleeding. <laughs> 
And like, so the head of the turkey is cut off and bleeding. And, uh, and I can't remember the, I can't remember the quippy saying that's on it, but basically the message is like, you know, don't eat turkey for Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, it, it gave me pause for a second. It was pretty effective. Your moment. Uh, pretty effective advertising. Yeah. Well and done. Just think, okay. Next Thanksgiving, I won't because this turkey that I'm going to eat on Thursday has already been passed oh, through the gauntlet. Yeah, it's already in the fridge. So next year, next year. Uh, well, that you know that that's the place where a lot of people really see the the kindness of uh, any sitting president when they did what Joe Biden did two days ago and pardoned two turkeys. Uh, they have that whole ceremony where the president of the United States goes out and makes a mockery of pardons. By giving a pardon to do turkeys, isn't it just the the quirkiest oh, so little thing dumb. that we just keep doing? Is it is is uh, is that dumber it's than really Punxsutawney Phil, or is Punxsutawney Phil dumber than the uh, turkey pardon? <laughs> Which one is I dumber? Think, I think Punxsutawney Phil. Oh, is dumber. I think the turkeys for sure. How else are we going to hey, know I, how long winter is? <laughs> I don't know science. Yeah, are we going to get an early <laughs> spring? I mean, can I? And I don't even understand that whole thing. It's like when when, when spring is coming. How does the groundhog know? What what is the what are they what are they? Yeah, and why hey, um, does it take? Men I, I went and, and saw the uh, black Black runs. Panther movie last night. Yes, <laughs> I went and saw the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie last night. Mm. Are you, you familiar with this film? Do you do, do you know it? Yeah. Yeah, I just it? I haven't, haven't seen, seen a film yet. in theaters since my kids were born, basically. Oh, oh, <laughs> I mean, not that great. Uh, I wanted it to be great. Uh, oh. Hoped it would be great. Wasn't great. Hmm. Wasn't great. Oh. Yeah, a little disappointing, actually. Really, really long. Really long. I mean, just so long. We went to. Uh, it was a nine thirty uh, show. It was There's a nine thirty event. It was actually an event put on by. By the George Floyd family, um, you know, I live just down the street from uh, from George Floyd Square, where George Floyd was murdered by a Minneapolis police officer, and th that has become a a real center for community and for engagement for activism. And his family has the George Floyd Floyd family has put together a nonprofit foundation that cares for all the artifacts that were there and are brought there. So if someone shows up and has a card or has made a song or has done something that is captured up, they keep it, they chronicle it, they keep track of it around the country where it is. It might be in different places. So they built this entire community of people. And that group hosted, a sh that foundation hosted a showing of Black Panther um, to Wakanda Forever last night. At this theater, so it was really great. It was a great event, and just, just, hmm. just tremendous. And in with all the people who work hard on that, on that uh, George Floyd memorial and issues around it. So it was really, it was great, great to be there. And the event was tremendous. And then it Only was twelve thirty when I left. Twelve thirty. Oh, oh in the no. middle of the middle so maybe of the being up past your bedtime had something to do with your opinion of the film. You yeah. know what? That that may have, uh, and the fact that it was just convoluted and slow and there was a lot going on but uh <laughs> anyway the this the the cinematography is great and and all the rest um mm. but that first black black panther i thought was just just tremendous yeah right too. up until the end when they you know dip their toe back into the myth of redemptive violence uh, mm. you know and vengeance and all that right at the end but they actually unwound that in this in this episode mm. in this this movie but anyway uh Maybe save it for watching at home when you can take a break. You know, like watch half one half on one Friday, oh. and the next half the next Friday when you've you know, got yeah. an hour and a half each night. <laughs> to watch yeah. If I'm watching, if I'm watching a movie wow. at home, I'm most likely watching it at, in episodic format because uh, hmm. I just can't stay awake for a whole movie really? anymore. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Well, and movies are all like four hours long now, especially oh. the Marvel movies. The Marble movies, movies are long. Man, they're something else. Um, Hire an editor, you know? Well, I made this comment when I saw that the screenwriter and the producer and the director, same guy. Like, okay, here's, here's right. a guy that had <laughs> his hand on the whole. A little yeah, too precious be, with all the Every content. scene needed yeah. to stay. Uh, well, hey, lots of lots of things to talk about, but a little, little political yeah. roundup. Uh, yeah. Our last one before we, we formally give thanks. 
Where do things sit in the Senate and the House, you might be asking yourself? Well, the Senate is in the hands of the Democrats and uh, I think is looking increasingly like it's going to be a 51-49 margin. Yeah, I don't know if you guys are making any predictions, but I think Warnock is going to do well in that election and is going to is going to walk away with it. Yeah. Um, and and that's great. That that that's great news. That's going to allow for lots of things that only the Senate can do to be done. And then over in the House, Robin Dan couldn't be closer. Currently sitting at two hundred nineteen confirmed seats for the Republicans and two hundred twelve seats for the Democrats and four seats outstanding. One yeah. in Alaska, which is going to go to the Democrat, so that's going to yes. be two thirteen. Yeah, can we just not? Can we not gloss over what you just said? Yes. One in Alaska that is going to go to the Democrats. That's actually yes. a hold for the Democrats in Alaska after the special yes. election. Um, Mary Peltola is, I, I mean, wow really fantastic. You know, these special elections happen and fluke things happen. Like, you know, Myra, um, Myra Flores, uh, Flores, Flores. winning, winning in, in Texas in a special election. That was a fluke. And, and she only served in Congress for a few months before she, uh, before she was sent packing. Uh, Mary Peltolo, Peltola winning this special election in Alaska, you think, okay, this is a fluke, but you know, general election. No, she's, she's on her way to winning re-election and, and, and wow, Alaska. And, and, and beating Sarah Palin, you know, who had yeah. some uh, states uh, service under her belt for a couple of weeks when she was the governor. And then, you know, was a presidential candidate and uh, a very famous person on that, application where you can ask people to make videos for you. So Sarah Palin is, cameo. you know, was a, a cameo, cameo. Was a, she was a formidable uh, competitor. Yeah. And, and in Alaska, you know, not to spend a lot of time on, you know, Alaska insider politics here, but the current Senator from there is an independent. Now caucus is with the Republicans, um, yep. but couldn't even get the Republican nomination and run on a on a write in uh, in the past and you know now uh, serves as an independent. Um, the caucuses then over there, so Alaska's changing. Just a little reminder: mm -hmm. yep. states change, people's yep. voting patterns shift, things don't stay the same. The map we're looking at on the screen right now. If you'd gone back 30 years ago, it wouldn't have looked like that. Some places mm -hmm. the colors would have been inverted, um, and the uh, the problem with the map that we're looking at is that uh, elections have to do with individual people, not with square footage. So <laughs> yeah, it's not there's a lot of empty land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, those so blue the, dots, uh, those blue specks yeah. on the map are also where people live. Um, yeah. For the, so for the, the most part. Um, yeah, the, the other three races that are undecided are all in California. It's House District 3, House District 22, and House District 13. All of them currently led by the Republican candidate um, and the Democrat in those races trailing, including Kermit Jones, one of my, one of my favorite candidates, um, House District 3, one of my favorite candidates of the cycle. So fingers crossed for Kermit. Um, House District 22 in California is 97% of the vote in, so looks like they're almost done. However, House District 3 and 13 are at 73% of the vote in. What yeah. are you doing? What are you, What's listen, going on? I am on board with the be patient, democracy takes time, we need to get it right. What are you doing? Count the votes. Count the votes. Congressional districts are apportioned by population to be roughly the same size. So it's not like these are larger than all the other districts that all the other districts have, you know, 10 votes to count. And these districts have a thousand votes to count. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Count the votes. Yep. Yep. Get it. What are you doing? Get well, I, it. Yeah. It is, it is a little confusing. I know in some states why it's that way. It's sort of explainable because they have rules about counting the 
the mail-in ballots at a different yeah. time than they yeah, count the other ballots. Yeah, you're not allowed to count them until whatever but, date. And but in that's California, California, is California, the other 48 districts in California are, are done already. Come on. Yeah, it's it's curious. Sorry. Well, uh, I, I don't know. Um, uh, Jim, I think, is on with us. He's in California. Maybe it's in Jim's district. Maybe you can give us a little insight on that. Or Mike, may, maybe you know. Uh, Lindy, maybe you know. Lindy says, uh, uh, rural counties in District 3, not enough workers. Yeah, you oh. just don't have enough people to count the votes. Uh, is that is that what's going on? There's not enough people to help out with the with the counting? Well, that's that would be a... There's a story. Break that story for us, Lindy. Get that thing out in the... Uh, get that thing out in the world. I'd love to know about that. But here's uh, something, well, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, land doesn't vote, people vote. Uh, but this was... Uh, this was Kind of shocking to me that a uh, popular vote for the House, uh, Republicans carried it 50.8% to Democrat 47.6%. So it might not have been a red wave of votes for Republicans, but it was a sizable win. You know, almost 4 million more people voted for Republicans. When I saw that this morning, I was flabbergasted. I was dumbstruck. I thought, seriously, in the House, for people voting for House of Representatives around the country, more Republicans voted for, Repu more people voted for Republicans than people voted for Democrats on the total amount of votes. Republicans won the popular vote. Mm -hmm. I did not think that was the case. I was, I, I would have, I would have bet a dollar that... <laughs> Democrats had won more votes, and that more of in in those places where Republic where Democrats ran, they would have run up the the vote total higher. I thought it would be exactly the inverse of this. So I'm a little uh, I'm a little shocked and surprised that overall Republicans did a better job at getting people out, and more people said yes to the Republican candidates, as terrible as they were in so many places said yes to the Republican candidates than said yes to the Democratic candidates. That is, that's not good news, and that is shocking. Thoughts on that, Rob? Dumbfounded. No. See, there it is. Just absolutely I, I mean, dumbfounded. I, 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 listen, popular votes don't decide things in our elections. Like national. <laughs> no, I understand national, that. I, I, the national well, popular vote doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's irrelevant. Yes, but in, but it's in presidential irrelevant. elections... It's, it's irrelevant it, in presidential elections too. Well, it's it's irrelevant as to who wins. It's not irrelevant as a fact, as a as a statement of reality that more people who chose to walk into a voting booth on election day or ahead of time said yes to Republicans. That's that's a true thing. It, it that may even correspond to the difference of two hundred and whatever it's going to be twenty or twenty one or twenty two to two hundred and thirteen. 14 or 15 votes uh, or seats in the house. But this is a big deal. If, 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 if I were trying to message as Republicans and people are saying there was no red wave, this has been a repudiation of the megas and all the stuff that I mm. want to be true. I would be countering oh. with more people who chose to vote, chose to vote for Republicans. Yeah. It was more oh, inspired. I, I would just be talking about all that. I, I'm surprised to stumble on this while doom scrolling through an article about, you know, uh, the, the current uh, four seats that have not yet been called. I think that's a little shocking. I, I'm, I'm, I'm befuddled. And here's the other thing that gets me about this. The losses for Democrats came in the states of California and New York. Mm-hmm. Four seats in, in New York yeah. and whatever it's going to end up being in California of lost seats and flip seats in re, in reliably blue states, as people like to refer to them. And just again, this is why this blue state, red state thing is not a helpful frame by which to yeah. look at the at, at the political situation. It's yeah. Um, yeah. Fiona says lots of California Democrats feel they don't need to vote. So. You feel safe. You think well, that yeah. your vote doesn't really matter because it's a blue state, whatever. Yep. And yep. then all of a sudden that you're is, losing seats. Yeah. That's precisely what got us Donald Trump in 2016. It, Doug, have you seen the – there's a lot of conversation about how Andrew Cuomo is to blame for oh. Democratic losses because – because apparently he is responsible for 
I, I don't know the whole story, but you know, so I could be wrong on these facts. This is this could be fake news. But he was responsible for appointing um, judges who were overseeing the redistricting process. He, for some reason or another, appointed a number of Republican judges, um, and those Republican judges threw out the state legislative drawing of the map and got it redrawn. And so basically it's a gerrymandering story that was enabled by judges appointed by Andrew Cuomo. Mm -hmm. So people are, people are pointing the finger at Andrew Cuomo for, uh, uh, for New York going from, you know, a, a very blue state in terms of democratic representation in the house of representatives to, uh, to being much more split. Well, I have another theory on whose fault it was. It's my friend Voters. Simon's fault. No, it's my oh, friend Simon's Simon. fault. What did yeah. Simon do? Simon. Well, Simon says that here's what happened. When the census came out, that determines how many seats every state is going to have in the House of Representatives because we've decided yes. to lock the number at 435 rather than having yes. it be a rolling representative number. So we just decided that it's not based on population. It's a set amount, and then the number of representatives will be divvied up. And that happens based on the census. The state of New York lost a congressional seat. Mm -hmm. The state of Minnesota kept a congressional seat. They were the two that were up for it. The state of Minnesota mm -hmm. kept a congressional seat by 20 people in the census. 2-0. Wow. 20 people. So Simon, uh, who works, was, uh, works really hard to turn out people for the census, worked really hard in this little neighboring community where I live. And he told me last night that they really worked hard to get people out. And he's sure that they turned out at least 20 more people to <laughs> fill out the census than normally would have. So had they just sat back on their laurels, here's what would have happened. Minnesota would have lost a seat, but it would have been in a Republican area. That's what the legislature would have done. New York would have kept a seat, which would have meant that some of the redistricting would have been divided up differently. Yep. They yep. would have probably kept two of those seats. It yep. really could have, would have been that the House of yeah. Representatives stayed in the hands of the Democrats had Simon not worked so hard to turn people out for the census. Acupunctural intervention right there. Simon is, <laughs> Simon is, Simon is dead to me. Like, <laughs> I hope he's uh, listening to this. He's uh, like, uh, but that's wow. so. That just to Simon. I hope you people. can live with yourself. Hope you can live with yourself. Uh, he said, "Look, I, it's my job to do my job. It's everybody else's that's job right. to do their to do their own job." That's but, right. Uh, you know yeah. the fact that no, people in New York. You, do, do you remember this when Cuomo, while well, he was still the governor of New York, tried a lawsuit yeah. to say there's just no way. We 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 just didn't count everybody in New York. Of course, there's more people in the state of New York than there you know than there was uh, in 2010. They just didn't do a good job on the census, partly because of COVID. Remember, this was all the COVID-related stuff. Yep. So the current yep. census numbers, especially in big states and complex places like New York and New York City, were terribly underrepresented in the census. It was mm -hmm. that's pretty much agreed upon by everybody, especially what the Trump administration was doing by politicizing it and acting like people were going to come and and uh, check on people's immigration status if they filled out the census and all the rest of that. So all of that story from two and a half years ago mm -hmm. comes crashing down right now into the fact that New York had to redistrict and it redistrict with one less seat. And that caused a cascade to happen across the system. So it could have been maybe just one or two seats yep. different, but that could have put current yep. Uh, yep. Republicans at like 217. And who knows what else might have been different in, yeah. uh, yep. in the state of... of and, <laughs> you know, just to, just to bring it full circle to vote common good, the, uh, the, the guy that lost his seat was uh, a guy named Mondaire Jones. He was the one who was kind of redistricted out and... Sean Patrick Maloney was uh, there. Basically, their districts were combined. They ran against each other. Maloney won in the primary, um, beating Mondaire Jones. And uh, and then Maloney lost to a Republican. He was yeah. the uh, the head of the DCCC, Mondaire Jones. Um, we had the chance to hear speak uh, in Columbus, Ohio, at an event uh, for Tim Ryan. He was accompanying Joyce Beatty as she was campaigning, and uh, wow, 
somebody we would we would the first um the first out black man to serve in the House of Representatives, Mondeer Jones, really uh, a, a tremendous guy. Yep. So just all the all all the little you know, as Dan yeah. reminded us, little acupunctural interventions that go on. So anyway, looks like the Republicans are going to keep control of of the House, and uh, yeah. at least currently, Democrats have control of the Senate now. You know, if Herschel Walker, the the werewolf lover, ends up winning in <laughs> oh in uh, Georgia, <laughs> and Joe Manchin or Christian <laughs> Cinema don't get their way, uh, it could move, yeah. right? If these jokers yeah. decide yeah. to, you know, wield their power, um, you, you just never know. You just never know what could happen. But I don't, yeah. I don't foresee yeah. that happening. I think both of those things are going to go the other way. Yeah. So if uh, so, Republicans control the House. You know what else Republicans control? Twitter. Twitter. Re you know, Republicans have taken over Twitter. Uh, so I mean, Twitter has been Twitter has been uh, much more of a hellscape over the uh, the last few you know the last week or so than it normally is um, since Elon Musk took over. More than half, apparently, according to reports, of Twitter's employees are no longer with the company. There was a kind of a, an ultimatum given where uh, employees had to, uh, you know, pledge fealty to their dear leader um, to stay employed, and uh, many, many, many of them did not. Um, there was uh, a night. I think it was maybe Friday of last week. I can't remember where, where everyone was locked out of the building. Yes, night? everyone is locked out of the building. Yeah, but really? Twitter was basically everybody, you know, bidding farewell. That like, okay, <laughs> you know, this thing's going this down. And I literally, I woke up Saturday morning. I kind of woke up, and the first thought that went through my head was, I wonder if Twitter's still alive because <laughs> everybody was sure that it was going to die. Uh, apparently, this death is going to take a is going to take a little bit more time, um, and basically. All of these engineers, all of these coders are are gone. It's it, apparently it's just a matter of time before, you know, Twitter breaks in some way. The code break, I you know, and listen, I mean, maybe we need to get Michael Toy on the podcast to talk about how all this stuff yeah, works because I don't know, you know how this works. I, yeah, like something's gonna break in the back end, and there's they're not gonna be able to fix it. It's gonna compound, and you know. Twitter's going to get, you know, all jammed up and, and, you know, crash for some reason that, that apparently is what is, uh, what's happening. And I, I saw today that already like their, their automated copyright, um, detection isn't working. So now oh. you can, you can upload copyrighted stuff to <laughs> Twitter and it, it won't get pulled down automatically. You know, like so many, like, like YouTube or places, Facebook, yeah. they all, Twitter, they all have these algorithms that like, if you play copyrighted music, they'll pull it down because they don't want to be liable for that. Mm -hmm. Apparently Twitter, like that has stopped working at Twitter. So it's just one of those little things that, so anyways, the place indicator. is going, the hellscape is going to hell. Um, and it's just a matter of time. But it's um, been kind of amazing to watch. Like, just oh. all the obvious missteps, like getting right. rid of the verification and making it buyable. So you can mm. just buy for $8 your verification. And of yes. course, people abused that instantly. Like, all you had to oh. do was run it yeah, by a middle schooler like hey is this a good idea or will no they abused it immediately changed their yeah. names to elon musk or whoever yes and then yes. got their blue the, check mark or pfizer yes. and yeah the, for people yes, that don't know what happened drug, was yeah, the pharmaceutical the, companies yeah the pharmaceutical companies that were uh that were um you know people posed as and uh you know cost them billions oh, of dollars in the stock market. Yeah, offered free insulin and stuff to people so yeah, they didn't think they had to exactly. buy it anymore. The, and, and what they were doing was trying to get people's contact information and credit cards. So it was even worse than just kind of a prank. It was oh, actually yikes. stealing from, they were sending them to websites and then people would put in their data, say, you know, fill out this here to get free, free insulin. So people who don't know how Twitter works, uh, just show you how, uh, how nonsense this is for Elon Musk to make this decision. The thing that makes Twitter function is the blue checkmarked verified users. 
There's mm-hmm. so many bots. There's so much nonsense out there that the way it uh, happens for people who really use it is you follow someone that has a blue check mark, meaning you know that that's really that person. So in the midst of all the nonsense, you have these sort of certified, verified mm-hmm. characters yeah. in the mix. Might be a Analyst, news outlet or celebrities, yeah. companies, or yeah, us, me, me or you or whomever, right? Like individual people and. And and oh, you're not, and and no. nobody you you didn't even have control of that. Twitter granted that to people by some form of verification, right? Mm-hmm. So it was out of your control. You couldn't game the system. They gave this to companies or individuals or people with some profile. And Musk then says, "Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make that verification mark." something you get if you subscribe for $8 a month, then you'll also get that. And then said, if you're a parody account or not who you say your name is or who you're pretending to be, (laughs) you have to indicate that in your bio and made a big deal of this and said in your, in your biography description of your, your uh, name and who you are and where you're from, you have to say that it's parody. If you don't, then we'll ban you forever from the site. But you don't have to put it in your actual username. So, so many people don't go clicking on the bio to double check. In fact, I was on a podcast with somebody a couple of weeks ago and they quoted somebody on Twitter who's a reporter and it turns out the day later they said, oh, that was a fake (laughs) account. That was not actually that person that made that statement because... You didn't think you had to go check that. So this is what's been going on. This is what's caused companies to bail out. And like we said, Pfizer and all. So as ridiculous as it is, any one of us would have said, well, you can't take the verification system and then just sell that to people. Of course not. So how does this happen that it can get all the way through whatever's going on at Twitter and whoever makes decisions, whatever Elon Musk, who's apparently it's a smart guy when it just comes Elon to stuff Musk like this. Has an idea and says it out loud. Yeah. It's doesn't just it bonkers. So yeah. and then yeah. that caused now, people to just not trust the system at all. Like if you're that inept on that, yeah. then it's just yeah. and and then it's and then it's Elon Musk just being horrible as a person and then letting yes. Trump back on and yeah. and but, doing I mean, a poll. Fifty two percent of people I, wanted Trump back on and yeah. Well, fifty-two percent of the alleged people that voted in the poll. I want to read yeah, of the Twitter of the Twitter profiles that voted in the yeah, poll. That's stop right. That's the steal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So Donald Trump is back on Twitter. Um, but well, here's the thing, Yeah. I was. I'm, let me clarify. When I say Donald Trump is back on Twitter, Donald Trump's account on Twitter has go. been reactivated. Donald Trump. Uh, because he, you know, was going through Twitter withdrawals um, when he was banned, created, you know, had a team create a a, a Twitter ripoff, uh, an RC Cola uh, version of Twitter, <laughs> and uh, and called Truth Social, and you know, so he's really invested. Well, come on, how much does he actually invest in stuff? He is uh, he, his reputation. Well, he doesn't really care about that either. Um, so Trump is currently on Truth Social, <laughs> and uh, you know, is he going to drop Truth Social like he has dropped dropped multiple wives, and uh, and get back with Twitter, or is he going to stay faithful and monogamous with Truth Social? What do you think is going to happen? I don't think there's any chance that he's coming back to Twitter until Twitter shows that it's not going to go under. Right, he's mm. leveraging that if because these things you're discussing are happening at the same time. There's little doubt in my mind that Elon Musk rushed the decision to allow Trump's Twitter profile to come back on the service because he was trying to gin up usage on the site. He wanted yes. people to feel like they have to get there's a the shiny object over there. Elon Musk is saying that usage on Twitter is higher than ever. Yep. Which again, in that business model, means you lose money if you've lost advertisers and there's less advertising revenue because people have fled, advertisers have fled, which they have, and now your usage is up, which means your costs have gone up, and your you can't charge anyone 
uh, he didn't care about charging people when he uh, having ad revenue when he was going to charge people to use the service. So I think Trump is just basically like he does everything, just deciding is this going to be useful to him or not. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it, at some point, yes, he will he will come back on. Uh, you know, uh, if if somehow the investigations that are that are now started into him with the special counsel don't lead to criminal indictments, uh, he'll he'll come back on because he just yeah. he just won't be able to resist the fact that Maggie Haberman is also over there, and he really really wants you know, the New York Times yeah. writer Maggie Haberman to like him. So he will he will be over there. Well Elon is posting a lot of provocative memes trying to tempt Trump back on Yeah. <laughs> uh provocative is, is that one, right? One way to describe it. Near pornographic is Just, another. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, hold on. What are you saying? Doug, I'll text, I'll text what are you it to you, saying? Doug. <laughs> don't put it up on the screen, Dan. No, I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> this is, we no. don't want to. We don't want our uh, our uh, our. I don't even yeah. know what this you're is a family about. friendly show, and we can't show Elon Musk yeah, Trump so, tweets per usual. Uh, but yeah, he's trying to he's trying oh to gosh. like it's tease just, Trump I, uh, into getting back on Twitter in the most like stupid and inane way possible. And and, and perverting scripture in the process but you know yeah a little minor see. blasphemy oh, boy, thrown in guys for, for good. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't All been right. doom scrolling well, quite uh, enough it, it, it will continue so, Look, let me it, ask you this let me ask you this i'm doom scrolling right now actually literally right now i'm doing it. it it's just terrible it just right it, he just wrote yesterday morning twitter is fun and then with a rocket ship and a star and a heart that's elon musk <laughs> Or Elon Musk's approved Twitterer for him. Yeah. It's just, oh, is he, he, is he a 12 he year old? Himself. And then just a namaste. And then just namaste with two hands in the, <laughs> the hands to heart center emoticon. Okay. What, what Let me is, ask you this. But here's why Twitter's going to keep working because the political class, because the reporters have mm. so embedded themselves in their ability to spread news articles and to talk to each other on Twitter they're never going to give it up. It's always been a political class operation and it's always been about news reporters and all the rest. That's why if you watch any news or listen, they're always pushing Twitter profiles and Twitter handles and yeah. the news media needs and reporters need to just find another avenue and well, that will be the end of Twitter. Until that yes. happens, it's going to stay, it's going to stay alive. But the the, the news people could bring an end to this thing if they choose to. Yeah. So and I think right now there, there are many people who are kind of dipping their toe in the, uh, in the waters of other social media platforms. So, um, and, and there's been a lot of discussion about that. There's some that are specifically designed for, for journalists and, and, and kind of different other approaches. Doug, do you have a Mastodon account yet? Dan, do you have a Mastodon account yet? I no. do not. I can't. I just I can't do one yeah. more thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so, <laughs> so Mastodon is built, uh, and this is a this is a uh, a word that I didn't know before this week. Uh, is uh, a part of the Fediverse. Are you are you familiar with Fediverse? No, no. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, the Fediverse is uh, short for the Federated M Multiverse or something. I don't okay. know. Uh, and uh, basically, like it's there's all these different servers. It sounds very much like uh, much of the same as like the Web 3.0 stuff. The uh, you know the blockchain kind of approach where. Mm. Things are distributed rather yeah, totally. than centralized, and they're on all sorts of different servers. And this allows for people to, you know, post in one place, and it shows up in multiple places. So Mastodon is uh, a—I don't even know if calling it a social media network is appropriate. I don't huh. know if that's a app description, but it. It functions a lot like Twitter. The problem is when you join, you have to pick a server to join, and it's it like sounded way the, too complicated, oh, oh. And annoying, and it's complicated. You know, but, but apparently, you can get away with the bad stuff. And it's difficult finding people and who to follow and all of that. It's just, but 
You can find me on Mastodon. Just search for Rob Ryers. If you're, on, <laughs> if you're on Mastodon, come find me. <laughs> Is it going to go us the way what, of crypto? Let, let us like, know what server you pick. I, do, I don't know. <laughs> Or what well, was hey, the thing where you were buying, wanting to buy uh, images from uh, from the NFTs, internet? What was that thing called? NFTs. NFTs. Yeah, yeah right up there. Hey, uh, I see Elon Musk tweet. See, this is what happens. I shouldn't even go in here. But Kathy, here's a tweet from November 18th. Kathy Griffin, Jordan Peterson, yeah. and Babylon B have been reinstated on Twitter. Oh, Trump decision has Kathy not Griffin. yet been made. Yeah, Kathy Griffin, Jordan Peterson, and Babylon B. Yeah. I didn't know Babylon B, which is one of those you know satirical yeah. Christian, Christian satire. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know they were banned from Twitter. Yes, what, 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 what they were banned. Babylon B banned from Twitter. They uh, they had a they had a fake article like they do um, about how the the trans woman who is like in the in the Biden administration, the doctor from Pennsylvania. I can't remember her name. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, the trans woman who serves in the Biden administration, mm -hmm. she's a uh -huh. doctor from Pennsylvania. I know I'm just repeating yeah. myself. Anyways, they named her man of the year. Yeah. Just, and, and so well, Twitter, yeah. Well, and so the, Twitter, so Twitter said, you know, take this down or, and your account is suspended until you do. And, and they, they did, they didn't, and they've been suspended. And now they're back. And, and continuing to post hateful, transphobic yes. stuff. Babylon Listen, B. Yeah. Babylon B oh. is one of the worst things on the internet, bar none. It started out as like a cute, like what? Christian satire making yeah. fun of worship songs that go too long. Yeah. And then this guy no, got a is. hold of it and he's just the worst yep. human, like just a terrible yes. person. Really? Posts hateful, angry yep. stuff. All right, well, all in the you know right, yeah, right wing, obsessed with AOC, uh, just horribly offensive oh. things. Yeah, I had no Babylon idea. Babylon B is the worst. Yeah, like after well, the Colorado shooting, he chimed in and was like, said some more hateful transphobic stuff about the shooting. It's just unreal. The Unbelievable. Well. Thank you for correcting that. I, I thought it was a strange connection between right. Kathy Griffin, <laughs> Jordan Peterson, and Babylon B. I have not been keeping You're up on the horrible things. Out. Yeah, I was trying to figure that. Now it makes sense. Uh, One of these know, things is Kathy not Griffin. like the yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. Now it's Kathy Griffin that seems to be out, out of the uh, out of the norm. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, uh, other big news in politics. Anyway, um, Hakeem Jeffries looks like he's going to be the, uh, the 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 head of the. Democratic Caucus, which is a, a big deal. Nancy Pelosi and Jim Clyburn and uh, others in leadership who've, who are standing Hoyer. Pushing, Hoyer pushing 80 years old or over 80 are stepping away because at some point you just realize your time is up. <laughs> you know, like if you're somebody that, that came through the, the big cultural movements of the 1960s and it's 2022, you finally say, maybe we should let the kids have a chance. When you're the generation that said to yourself, never trust anyone over 30 as your motto, and then you reach the point where you say, maybe don't be in leadership when you're over 80, that's been a good 50-year run for, your, uh, for your, your generation. And so as thankful as uh, I am for the work that Nancy Pelosi did, I'm a big Nancy Pelosi fan. Good golly, could we not set the standard at 80 years old at which people finally give way. And I am not saying at all that 80-year-old people don't have anything to contribute. Sure they do. But leadership in organizations is about creating opportunity for the next generation. They've ended up blocking out an entire generation of people in their 50s, 60s. Oh, like two generations. Early yeah, 70s. <laughs> it's just, their 50s, it's, 60s, and early 70s. <laughs> never got a chance. It's absolutely... Unbelievable. <laughs> it just is really. And look, I'm not just griping as a Gen Xer, but honestly, oh, as somebody seriously. who's part of the Gen X oh, generation, come this is just classic. Inf you know, infuriating. If I skip, if I cared, I would be infuriated. <laughs> yeah, just skip over uh, while they well in in democratic politics, the eighty year olds continue, and this is going to be a thing for Joe Biden if he decides to run for president. Which well, yeah, I'm speaking of eighty, he just had a birthday and turned eighty, right? Eighty, 
which means yeah. that when he runs, he will be, or if he's elected, he will be 82. And when he finishes his second term, he'll be 86? Or 82. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, yeah, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> like, that, hey, am I kicked off Twitter? Did I just get kicked off Twitter for making a Joe Biden's not going to um, live through Listen, it. Yeah. I, I, it's old. It's old. And listen, I, I mean, I think Joe Biden has turned out to be a, a tremendously effective president after running the risk for about a year of. I was terrified that he was going to be completely ineffective and was going to get tagged with the narrative of, you know, best intentions, but can't get anything done. Turns out he can get a lot done. Um, however, 80 is, I mean, it's old and he is, and he's clearly slowing down. And, and, and I said, not as a criticism, just as a, just as a reality, like, Oh, and granted, yeah, granted I, look, not not every eighty year old is the same. I know some eighty year. Well, take Nancy Pelosi and 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 Jim Clyburn, and if Jim Clyburn's, I think maybe late seventies. Uh, uh, somebody should look that up. Um, but they're really quite agile, you know, spry. with it, spry, <laughs> spry, spry people. Spry is but only a word to, that gets used to describe older folks. This, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Yeah, when you're using those kinds of adjectives for someone, you're either talking about a toddler or somebody who's 80 years old, right? That the person yeah. is is out of norm and that's what makes them okay. So I just really hope to, and there was a period of time like it, I don't know, like we had Reagan and then Bush in, you know, 88 and 92. And they were older. Then we went to this younger generation thing with Clinton and Gore. And then, you know, Bob Dole sort of came in there. But then you had Bush and then you had, you know, Obama. Like there was a thing where people were in their 50s or 60s. And that was the like the executive age to be the executive of the executive branch of the U.S. federal government. And then I- we got into a 70-year-old with Trump. And then now we're into 80-year-olds with Biden. And this just is not going to go well for, for the country, no matter how, actually, how good he is. And, and, and just one, one more thing here on this, because we're going to have to talk about this a lot come January. But any president who believes that it's simply their personal being that is making all of this happen, I think mm-hmm. is really overestimating the the power of the presidency. I think people matter in the presidency for sure, but the American people, if you put anybody in that supported the kinds of things that Biden supports and you can find people under 80 to to do so, um, you can get so many of the benefits without the, the fixation on this singular human being is the only person that could do this. And this is one of the things we get into with executive leadership in this country. Businesses do the same thing. That yes, the individual matters, but no one is that particularly valuable. Like in other words, we're not talking about athletes here that somebody can't throw a football. Like it's really hard to get a decent quarterback because that's a really hard thing to do or to be a baseball pitcher or to be a gymnast. Like there's some skills you're talking about. The politics and leadership of organizations and companies is not that. But it is about putting together the right team. And I think that's where Biden has done really well. He's put the right people in the right positions. And Ross. Well, not, I'm not that, so sure. He, not so sure he did a great job with the vice presidential pick, uh, but, um, but Secretary so, of Transportation. Oh, that's my guy. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> okay, I see where you're going to. That was a that was a Pete Buttigieg bump you were yeah. just giving right there. My <laughs> former mayor can do no wrong. He's, like, he's just talking about into criticizing Kamala Harris. Uh, so listen. Um, Here's a hot take for you. The age of Joe Biden is going to hurt the presidential chances of Donald Trump. Hmm. Well, is this a riddle? Is this some kind of a no. political riddle? The, what are you what Joe are you Biden about? is going to hurt the political chances of Donald Trump. I okay. think there's going to be a there's going to be a backlash against Joe Biden. One of the main criticisms of Joe Biden from Republicans is going to be 
his age, slowing down, yeah. all this stuff that we've talked about, that is going to actually hurt Donald Trump because Donald Trump is closer to that than he is to yeah, oh, say, I see. Ron DeSantis. And and in in that comparison, you. Republicans are going to want someone who can be a, a contrast. contrast. Yeah, and that person is someone more like Ron DeSantis than Donald Trump. So I actually think that the that you know while Donald Trump Jr. you know tweets about how old Joe Biden is and all of that stuff, I think it's actually going to hurt Donald Trump in his uh, in his re reelection campaign. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, hey, look, speaking and, of uh, unless you want to keep going, speaking of big no. contrasts. <laughs> Uh, we really want to. We spend out. a few I'm minutes out here. Need a nap. Yeah, and we need a little pick me up. Uh, this yeah. is a this is a story out of Malaysia, and uh, this yeah. is a group of Christians um, in the political sphere, and they say, mm-hmm. "quote Christians are committed to the common good." We love love mm-hmm. that phrase of the country and have no plans to proselytize and Christianize the nation. And uh, this is obviously in contrast to the Christian nationalists in America who are outright saying no that's exactly what we want to do here but uh over here in malaysia they've got a different approach say like we want to we want to make the yeah. country better and it doesn't need to be exactly like us yeah and, and what's interesting about this article is that the former prime minister who is trying to you know support candidates to not support this christian coalition group in in Pakistan or in uh, Malaysia. Uh, his name is uh, Pakotan uh, Harapan. Or no, he's speaking about Pakotan Harapan and saying that that, that movement, this Christian-backed uh, group in, in Malaysia, is, quote, and this is a former prime minister, is supported by a group of Jews and Christians who have a Christianization agenda in Malaysia. Mm. And then this group, the Council of Churches there and the Reverend Jonathan Jesus does. I think you pronounce it that way. It's a combination of Judas and Jesus. One of the great names I've ever seen is J-E-S-U-D-A-S. Uh, Jesus, maybe. Uh, stated, look, such a statement is irresponsible. We live in a multi-religious and multi-racial country and the sensitivities of each community must be taken into account in public forums. Such statements pronounced carelessly create racial and religious tensions and conflicts saying we need to res- the respect for the truth and sensitivities of different religions is essential. So what, what's going on in Malaysia is that the former prime minister who didn't want these, the Christian backed party to win seats in the parliament was trying to say they're going to try to Christianize this country. You know why the prime minister thought that? Because there's people in the United States and other places that are trying to get Christians to Christianize places like Malaysia. He's not totally wrong about that agenda, but the Christian group in Malaysia is making sure that Christian nationalism is not a part of their political approach. Mm -hmm. So the same context we have here where there's people who are advocating for a Christian nationalism or Christianization of the United States, the same pressures are in Malaysia. And who's standing up against the Christianization? The Christian politicians are saying, we will have nothing to do with that. We're denouncing it. We're not going to do it. That's a a really complex and really great story that... um, shows that the kinds of things we're facing in the United States, the rise of Christian nationalism and the fear of Christian nationalists taking over the United States, trying to proselytize and use the government to fulfill its religious duties. That's something that also goes on in other countries. And here, the people doing the right thing are the Christians using the very phrase, we care about the common good here in Malaysia. That's what our commitment is, is to the common good. And that means they have to care for the rights of all. It's just great leadership on the, on, on behalf of the, of the, of the, of the, politicians from the the christian side of the of the field there in in malaysia yeah, yeah. make really america great. malaysia again <laughs> <laughs> we should be more like malaysia that would be the that that, that that's really going to carry a lot of weight because look if anybody's not reading um uh Ajin Zia fides uh which has been information on uh the pontification mission society since 1927 website uh, you're just not going to keep up on this kind of stuff well and the only way i saw this article is that i have a google 
uh, alert that comes yeah. anytime the phrase vote common good uh, is used. It, it yes, flags, these, flags these articles. And this is a great little article about um, uh, the same pressures that we're facing in the United States, people face in other countries. And there is a real concern, as we say in our Christian nationalism training and friends and family, if you've never watched that, uh, you should go turn, you know, get your YouTube machine turned on and get over there and watch those trainings on our Vote Common Good YouTube channel. Because there is an effort to try to Christianize other nations. Absolutely. And yeah. there are people targeting Malaysia as a place where they want to see the Christianization happen. Those same people are trying to push that agenda in the United States and in Korea and in China and all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and they need to be resisted. And the people who need to resist them are the people closest to the inside. And that's yeah. the Christian uh, uh, politicians and Christian leaders and others. So I'm really, it just, it's an encouraging uh, uh, situation here. And I think we should reach out to this, uh, to this uh, head of the, the National Council of Churches in Malaysia. I've actually reached out to Ani Zanavel, who runs Muslims for Progressive Values, and she's Malaysian. And I've asked her if she would uh, come on with us and maybe we could get these folks on and talk about what's going on in Malaysia and other places. Yeah, yeah and maybe we can learn a thing or two. Because here in America, the Christians that want to take power are doing it using hate-mongering, fear tactics, uh, where they've spent years and millions of dollars waging coordinated campaigns against trans people and the LGBTQ community. Disgusting. And then it leads to violence. The Time Magazine uh, headline we have up on the screen says, the attack on a gay bar in Colorado Springs didn't happen in a vacuum. When yeah. you spend years and years vilifying yep. and demonizing the trans community, the drag queen community, the gay community, these things happen. Yep. yep. Words and rhetoric have consequences. Right. If they didn't, we wouldn't talk, right? If it, For all the people that are like, oh, it's just people saying things. Well, that's why we say things, right? <laughs> to get people, people to say. do things. Yes, to, <laughs> to implore action. That's the whole point of talking. That, so this, and this happens a lot when people will say, hey, you can't blame a single act. And yes, that is technically true. It, it's pr not possible or reasonable to make one person's random behavior connected to an, an other person's single statement. Very rarely does that happen, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, unless you're in the movie A Few Good Men and you're asking, did you or did you not order, you know, the code red on Private Santiago? Unless that's going on in that kind of situation, you just don't, you can't connect it. But that's not the work you do as somebody who's who uh, is trying to influence society and all the movements that are trying to tell people that trans and gay and non-normative. Uh, uh, behavior in the United States is dangerous and depraved and is going to bring the end to America and they're the enemy. Yeah, They use that language in order to compel people into some kind of action. Now, they may not mm -hmm. want them to walk into a nightclub and murder people, but if you don't explicitly say, we don't want you going into nightclubs and murdering people, mm -hmm. here's the thing that gets me about all this. All the preachers and all the you know, the, the, the moralists that are out there saying all their moral things about how terrible America is, you know, whether it's, uh, Rob, if you're going to bring up Mike Pompeo saying that the head of the teachers union is a big threat to America, this kind of Oh, stuff, no, 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 not, not a, a big, big threat, threat to America. The, the most dangerous person on the planet. On the planet. So uh, we could talk about that one in a minute. And, and it, what I rarely hear from those people because they don't even want to raise it is to say, and that, by the way, that means you don't go into synagogues and shoot them up. You don't go into gay bars and shoot them up. You don't go into any, like why we can't have the same people who want to use hyperbolic rhetoric to motivate people to care about their cause, not also saying, let's just be perfectly clear here. It is never appropriate to kill each other. They don't say it. No. And when you ask them why they don't say it, they say things like, well, why? Of course not. Why would I you even have to say to that? You don't need to say that. That's understood. Well, all the other things that you say are so obvious to human morality, you feel like you have to say. So if you want to say, well, we shouldn't have to say that, then why do you have to describe anything else that you think is so abhorrent? 
Because if your argument is, well, because people are doing these abhorrent things, we have to call them out, then that's the argument. People are doing these things. Mm -hmm. So make it perfectly clear that the use of violence, harming and killing people is never appropriate, but they don't do this. And any organization that has their rhetoric being utilized to support the kind of violence that happened in Colorado Springs or the kind of violence that happened in Orlando or the kind of violence that happened in Uvalde or the kind of violence that happened in, just pick your place, you know, Buffalo to El Paso. And they don't come out and say, you shouldn't kill each other. When we got kicked out, a few of us got kicked out of the prayer breakfast at the National Rifle Association uh, in, in May. And you can watch the video. When the security came, we stood up and asked people to, to pray at the prayer breakfast for the by name for the people that were murdered in Uvalde earlier that week. And they escorted us out. The security guard, when we got out, said, um, you know, I was still recording, and he said to me, um, hey, don't you think we all know this? Don't you think we're all sensitive about this? And I said, no, it's not apparent because they're not saying anything. Mm -hmm. Like you're at a prayer breakfast where the whole point is to pray in a moment about stuff that you think matters because the performative act of praying together at a breakfast is supposed to be meaningful, but you're not actually saying those things right there. And he's trying to go along the lines of, it's just granted that we think this. Yeah. Well, that, so either, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So so because they don't say anything about it, you, there, there's really kind of three options. Either they are ignorant of the impact and, and maybe this goes along with maybe there's only two options either like or they're just just downright stupid like they don't they don't mm -hmm. get how this stuff works or they're okay with it yeah you know like i mean like at some point you've got to ask the question like are are you actually okay with this like are you actually okay with people being murdered yeah and and i fear that there would be far too many people that it's more than just rhetoric. Yeah, it's a cost of doing war in America, yeah. you know, that yeah. they just think this is... And I hear a lot of gun advocates basically saying that, like, yes, okay, we're going to have these shootings, they're going to happen, we have to bake that in, we have to factor it in, so let's yeah. try to, you know, yeah. harden, harden the targets because it goes along with our freedoms. Yeah. Just madness to me, absolute... Yeah, Absolutely. Complicit madness that anyone yep. would say that. But that is the argument that you just hear time and time and time again. <sighs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to end on a happy note. We should have done this. We should have done this and then to Malaysia, the good news. Yeah, but, yeah with the yeah. good news. Or the turkey pardon. Let's, can, can we just revisit the turkey pardon? The two are going to go back to North Carolina and live live, <laughs> yeah, live a long yeah, life in a life. turkey and, and we, won't, we won't talk anything about the other turkeys that didn't get pardoned <laughs> and are going to be served at the White House on Thursday. Now, did it used to be like a... There was two turkeys, and so you picked one to pardon, and then mm -hmm. they chopped the other one up, right? <laughs> right yes. Like they're in front of the kids? Yes. And they're like, oh, let's just go ahead and blanket pardon for both of these. <laughs> and we're not even going to show you the ones that we're going to eat. It's <laughs> yeah. just ridiculous. So stupid. Yeah. The sooner yeah. we can get to a meatless future, I think the better for the planet. Well, and you do and know, I mean, you, you hear this around Arkansas, where you are, Rob, there in, in Springdale, the head of Tyson. They, they don't refer to it as turkey. What do they refer to it as? A protein source. Oh, weird. Yeah. They don't even talk about animals. They talk it's about protein sources. Dehumanizing the animals. <laughs> Deanimalizing the animals. De animalizing. Referring to them as a protein source. Yeah. Really, a, really a trip. It's kind uh, of like the Chick-fil-A campaign. Like they have the cow as their mascot. That's yeah. like eat, chicken. More chicken. eat more chicken. Eat more chicken. It's like the cows pleading for their lives and like trying to, <laughs> trying to uh, throw the chickens under uh, the bus, like goodness. eat them instead. Well, yeah, and we clearly do have this hierarchy in our society of which animals. There's a, a, a book that I read a long time ago, and, and I, I should relook at it again, but if anybody's interested in this kind of thing, it's called um, Some We Love, Some We Fear, Some We Eat. <laughs> And it's, uh, <laughs> the subtitle is like humans relationships with animals. And it's really an interesting 
Mm-hmm. It's a it's a cultural anthropology book about the relationship of humans with animals and what we do with them and what order we put them in and what what you know all this. Uh, so if people are interested in that at all, especially people that are into you know thinking they want to change their eating habits because of uh, animal uh, treatment and so on, it's a it's a quite helpful a little, perhaps a little dry. The, the title's more more sassy than the than the book is, but. <laughs> <laughs> People might find a lot, a lot in it, to just really deeply think about, like, which animals do we let live in our house? Which ones do we try to keep out of our gardens? Which ones do yep. we put on the table? Which ones do we let like in the dishwasher? Like, there's a whole set of uh, criteria that often goes unspoken uh, about about all this. So, yeah. All right. Well, hey, I'm going on vacation starting tomorrow. I've turned up, Rob. I've turned on my. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm turning on my. Uh, my vacation uh, reminder uh, starting tomorrow morning that, that I'm away from email. So I just feel Excellent. great. That's why we can just be all, all chatty and long-winded here. Yeah. Um, uh, fantastic. Have a great All right. Well, time. thanks, Alex. Thanks, Patricia. Do we got any other comments in here we should, uh, we, we should, uh, we should get to? Oh, uh, Jim thinks everyone should hunt their own meat. Yeah, let's oh. get back to the land, you know. Oof. I do raise it's my own survival. chickens. It's a survival of the fittest kind of thing because that's <laughs> you know it's a way to thin the herd. You, you only eat what you kill. Just about uh, everyone's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't want to raise my own food. I, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Uh, why is this all white guys? Um, Always. A good uh, question, all right. Anything but... else we need to uh, throw throw in <laughs> the chat? Oh, like, yeah. Why is this all white guys? We're retired. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think we're. Uh, I think yeah. we're there. Thanks for everyone in the chat, and I uh, hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Okay, and uh, yeah, anybody, anyone that's new uh, here, this is vote. Our group's called Vote Common Good. Uh, we partner with uh, the good folks over at the Christian Left. Um, so take a look at our organization. We do we do this daily, well, most days, um, and lots of uh, lots of podcasts, lots of videos, lots of streams, lots of people. So you know, look around a little. You'll be pleased with what you find. We think over at Vote Common Good, and uh, of course on the YouTube channel. And hey, if you want to do something to really be thankful, just go over and start watching our YouTube videos. We are like right <laughs> on the cusp of this really important milestone that I've been hunting for since April for the love of all things that are good and right and we might get there by December so before I totally <laughs> fizzle away and you know transport to another planet uh, head over to YouTube and yeah you're disappearing in the maybe. pixel turn on. pixel verse yeah it's just what what why 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 what's happening okay uh, that's it for me you guys got enough yeah that's plenty oh yeah Personal pixel problem. One mountain full of podcasts. (laughs) One plate full of podcasts. I'm not going back. You enjoy that hungry mountain on Thursday, Rob. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Well, well, happy days, everybody. See you after some rest. Bye. Bye.